0: This is Confluence, where great ideas flow together.
1: This is Confluence, where great ideas flow together. The podcast of the Graduate School of the University of Montana. I'm Ashby Kinch, Dean of the Graduate School. On Confluence, we travel down the tributaries of wisdom and beauty that enrich the soil of knowledge on our beautiful mountain campus.
0: What a wonderful person he was in many different domains. Um, He, um, as a student, has faced a lot of uh, challenges that many of our American Indian, Alaska Native students face here on our campus. Um, But he's done that with uh, a real courage and grace and in ways that have really informed his scholarship. I was instantly drawn to Julie and her work and passion um, in research areas similar to my own.
2: Julie and I also uh, infuse a lot of laughter um, and and storytelling in our work together and uh, just find that helps uh, deepen our relationship with each other, both on a professional and personal
0: level.
1: You just heard the voices of Annie Belcour and Blakely Brown talking about their students to Shane Barnett and Julie Cahoon, recent graduates from UM's program in public health. On Confluence, we like to highlight graduate student accomplishments. Open to all graduate students, GradCon is hosted by UM's Graduate and Professional Student Association, providing an opportunity for students to present their research and creative activity and compete for awards in five categories. Julian and DeShane won for their paper addressing the role of traditional ceremonial practices as an intervention for substance use in Native communities. We talk with them about their graduate student journey and their perspective on the importance of their research in addressing the needs of our Native communities. They are shining examples of the importance of graduate education in the state of Montana, as both have taken up positions that directly impact the lives of Montanans every day. This conversation will give you a rich sense of how their research and their professional careers develop. You'll hear a snippet from DeShane's dissertation defense, which we thought would highlight his talent, while also allowing folks to listen in on an important ritual of academic culture, the transition from DeShane Barnett to Dr. DeShane Barnett. But we start the episode as we like to do when we can by hearing a passage from a poem set on the shores of the Jocko River, on the reservation lands, of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes. That's Julie Cahoon's tribe, but it's also the tribe of her relative, Heather Cahoon, whose poem she reads, so we are delighted to share this literary texture with our listeners. Welcome to Confluence, where the river is always with us.
0: The following is a passage from Horsefly Dress by Heather Cahoon. Your father lies buried in the jocko, beneath birdsong, the sorrow of snowmelt, his body decayed, yet I feel self-conscious revealing his unbounded behavior. It is possible he hears me.
2: Um, so, hello everybody, my name is Deshane Barnett. Um, I'm Mandan and Urikra, which are two tribes from the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Rick Nation of Fort Berthold, North Dakota.
1: So thank you for joining us on Confluence to Shane and Julie. Yeah, yeah. thank
0: you for having yeah. us. Yeah,
2: thanks. Glad to be here.
1: So you're here because we're celebrating the, the winners of this year's Best in Con for the GragCon, and um, y'all won in the category of Humanities and Social Sciences oral presentation. I was there for the talk. It was really engaging. Um, congratulations. First of all, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Have you done, uh, the grad con before or, or, been involved in other graduate conferences before?
0: I, I have never, um, this is my first experience actually it was like working with the Shane has been my first major research project. So everything related to this project, um, before, during, and after is all new, so it's been really exciting.
1: Fantastic. Was it a good learning experience for you, the research part especially?
0: Yes, it was. I mean, I've done, I've dabbled in research, you know, for my my job, but nothing, in, it's a very different type of research work, and this was definitely more academic, and it was a, a very different process that was really exciting, and I learned so much, so it was really, it was really cool to be a part of the process.
1: And, and so he kind of played a mentor-type role in this case, yes. kind of helping guide you through it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the whole team, really. So Blakely and, and Jeff and, and Deshane. So each, each week we met during our research teams and, and we just had these really great conversations and the discussions that we, you know, were engaged with throughout has been just a really interesting perspective of being very thoughtful about the work that you're doing and, you know, just really trying to adhere to, you know, the Indigenous framework that, you know, we're guiding our, our efforts.
1: Yeah, and let's dig into that because that's such a core part of this project. And Deshane, maybe you can speak to this as well. But you know, wh- wh- who came up with, in this particular case, the idea to m- make sure we were focused on the indigenous research framework but also the cultural landscape using cultural practices as a- an intervention? In other words, not just doing the research according to IRM principles but actually bringing the practices into the intervention.
2: When I was applying for Ph.D. programs, I – had the opportunity to interview at a couple different schools and and looking at, um, there was a medical, sociology, PhD program, a a couple public health PhD programs. When I mentioned Indigenous Research Methods, IRM, as part of my interview, at all of those other schools, I could just really see a a reaction of like, oh, I don't really know what to do with that. Mm. And even one of the programs that honestly would have been until the interview would have been my first choice. Mm. During the interview, the director of that program said, Oh, that's great. I mean, you'll also have to use real research methods. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> Okay, that's you just touched a button. Obviously, not a good <laughs> fit. Yeah. My interview with the faculty at University of Montana for the PhD, when I mentioned Indigenous research methods, was like night and day compared to that other, they were so on board with that. And they were like, we think that not only is that really cool, but we want to see how we could maybe even take that a little further. And I think that the faculty here, so Blakely was our um, faculty uh, principal investigator, faculty PI on this program, and there was always that challenge to, it's not just indigenous research methods, but it's critical indigenous research methods. And so it's how are we reflecting the voice, the role, the needs of the community, not just in determining the research question and the methods, but in every facet of this project, how is that being reflected? And that was an amazing experience.
1: And so that part of it was kind of new for you to, to have had had it be completely comprehensively in every level of the research, be integrated as a principal.
2: To not only have someone let me do that, but to have them support and encourage. And yeah, that was a different experience than any other research project I've been on.
1: Fantastic. One, that's, uh, you know, at UM, it's something that, especially in the graduate school, we like to elevate that this is a unique talent and culture uh, mesh right that we have here that that frankly is unparalleled in the country you know there's only one or two regions in the country that can even come close, so we 're very proud of it and it 's good to elevate it and lift it up um, so the paper addresses substance abuse, which is you know a major concern across the state of Montana, and many communities i mean you know in other words, it's not just unique to the uh, native communities, but it is a particularly large concern in Native communities. So the project kind of bridges how to address that that issue using cultural practices. Can you say a little bit more about why that was important and what you learned through the process of research?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, integrating culture into any sort of prevention or treatment approach that involves, you know, indigenous communities is integral to the success of if any such program. And oftentimes you'll see that culture is non-existent, it's not even considered. And so it's really just focused on, you know, Western-based medicine practices, which is not designed for uh, indigenous communities. And so there's often, you know, gridlock in terms of the effectiveness, sometimes the effectiveness of those programs. And so this whole project is really starting to explore, Uh, How can we start to integrate that in a way that makes sense, in a way that connects with people, you know, for indigenous communities?
1: Yeah. One thing really resonated for me personally when I was watching your presentation is the way that model also then has – in other words, in a way, it's not just a health intervention. It's also amplifying all these other cultural models of language resuscitation, culture resuscitation. In other words, it's amplifying – a community strength model not just in health right but then saying there are these really positive health benefits for locating culture at the center of the intervention i find that very inspiring because it that's a model that we probably ought to be looking at again in non-native communities right
0: yeah i mean because if you know we think this is a culture based approach and so i mean the term culture like that touches all of those elements you know it's talking about spiritual it's talking about mental it's talking about language and so integrating culture into how you're working with individuals, whether that's for substance use, whether that's for intimate partner violence, whether it's for, you know, just general mental health, you know, it, it really is going to touch the core of that individual based on their upbringing, based on their history. So it's, it is really powerful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's in the research world, you're often told that, you know, you need to operationalize, you need to look at a particular relationship, a particular association. So we did that. But we know that this model is not designed just for substance use, that what we are doing is bringing the protective factor of our culture to address effects of historical trauma, which do include substance use, but also include violence, also include mental illness. And honestly, that approach, is probably just as likely to be as effective for any one of those symptoms because that's not the problem. What we're doing with this intervention is we're, we're aiming at the root problem, not the symptom, which is so different than Western medical science.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I, and I think it also sort of hits on this other thing that we, this other aspect of graduate education that we really like to lift up. And both of your stories kind of are interesting this way. Interdisciplinarity you come from a business undergraduate degree, which I, I think really interests me, like how you made that shift. And then you did sociology and public. So both of you are doing graduate degrees in a field other than the one you did your undergraduate. I mean, sociology and, and public health are a little bit more integrated, but, but still, I, I, I kind of want to hear each of your stories about that, about what drew you to that particular kind of graduate work and how your undergraduate background in a totally different field might have informed it. Maybe start with you, Julie.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking where to, how far back to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did my undergrad here at the University of Montana. And at first, I really didn't know what I was going to focus in. And at the end of the day, I knew that I needed to support myself. And so I saw that business was something that touched everything. So I, I saw that as an avenue for a way for me to support myself and so I pursued that and I was able to actually join the American Indian Business Leaders which is a program that was founded here at the university and so that was a really great program that kind of introduced me to you know management and uh, community engagement and being involved in community and uh, particularly you know our uh our native community here on campus and so that was really exciting and so then I just stepped into that and I did um I completed my undergrad with uh, business administration for management and international business.
1: And you had some interesting international experience. You went yep. to Berlin. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. I, I that was one thing I wanted to accomplish in my undergrad is I wanted to study abroad. Yeah. I didn't know when I was going to do it, but I was like, I need to, I need to have this experience. And so it wasn't until my last year. Where I was like okay this is it I have to go I have to make this happen so I worked with um, the department that coordinates the study abroad and that was a really wonderful experience and so I got to go to Berlin Germany because for my international degree you had to have two years of foreign language so I took German so that was a really exciting experience um, meeting international students and actually I'm still in you know, I still communicate with, um, those that I met during that time. And it was a, it was a short study abroad, but it was still like so powerful and impactful. I mean, go. it was really like confidence boosting and, um, it just was a really great experience.
1: Yeah. And then, and then you've been in the business world and you've worked in the business world, but then at some point you decided you want to come back and do a public health degree.
0: Yeah. So after my study abroad, I didn't know what I wanted to do after my degree. So I wanted to intern or I I thought internship would be a good way to kind of get a sense of what I wanted to do, you know, explore different avenues. And so there was this program called the Washington Internships for Native Students. And that was based out of American University in Washington, D.C. So I applied for that program and was accepted. And so that program, Program placed you with a federal agency to intern for a semester. And so I started that in the summer um, and did a summer internship with the Department of Veterans Affairs, which was just an absolutely incredible experience. I learned so much about, you know, the federal government and then also the advisory committees that I worked on in that particular department. And then I also didn't know what I wanted to do, so I kept doing the program. So I got to work at the Social Security Administration in two different offices. And so that was, I just knew I wanted to do I wanted to stay in D.C. and I wanted to do more work related to indigenous communities. And so I was able to, um, I got word (laughs) about a a job opening at a private consulting firm. And so I applied and got the job. And this consulting firm is American Indian woman owned. And they work with tribal communities across the nation, uh, primarily contracting with federal and uh, state and tribal governments. And so I really just got this huge deep dive into Indian country.
1: Yeah, and it's okay to name them, Kaufman. Oh,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I and mean, you seem like you're trying to avoid yeah. that, but let's go ahead and say it. I mean, yeah. shout out to Kaufman. Yeah, so um, Kaufman and, and Associates, and they're still your employer.
0: Yeah, so and so
1: you've been able to maintain that kind of while pursuing this degree.
0: Joanne Kaufman is the president, and uh, so I've been working with her and the team f- since 2014. And so after you know a few years, I mean we you really just start to immerse yourself with the different communities that you're working with. And you're seeing a bridge between federal government work and how they're trying to engage with tribal communities. You see that there are glaring gaps and errors and miscommunications, and it's, it's really frustrating. And so I just know that I want to help to mediate those types of relationships. And so I, I worked a lot at the federal level and not—I mean— indirectly. (laughs) And I really got a sense of what that was like. And I was like, I need to work in communities because that's where, you know, the conversation starts. So I had done a lot of public health related contracting work. And so I knew that public health was a space that I wanted to do more work in Mm -hmm. and I wanted to come home. (laughs) So uh, I identified the University of Montana's public health program and came back.
1: Well, welcome home. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And and, uh, and you, DeShane, have had a A really intense professional work life while continuing your PhD. Uh, How has that been balancing out the needs of delivering and actually running an organization providing health services while doing this
2: research? During COVID. During COVID, yes. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I'll be honest, it sucked. It wasn't fun. Yeah, no, we made it through. but yeah, so, you know- and we, these
1: days that counts as success, right? Exactly. We made
2: it through and that's a success. So yeah, I, um, you know, had accepted the position as executive director at All Nations Health Center, knowing that i had already been also accepted into the PhD program. So I knew I was going to be doing those two things concurrently. I knew it was going to be rough. What I didn't know was that, you know, so this would have been in 2018- was that right as I was about to get the research project off the ground, so Blakely and I actually wrote the proposal to do this research in February of 2020, knowing what happened in March 2020, and had to really pivot and be like, "Wow, our entire world looks different now. Yeah. So we you know worked to adapt the, the research program, and I had to try to lead an Indian health program through an unprecedented pandemic, while trying to be a student, during a pandemic where I had to finish two pretty intense quantitative classes online for the last six weeks of the semester. Um, wow. Yeah, but I would say spring 2020 was not my favorite.
1: Was that the low point for you? or Because there had to be subsequent uh, tough times as well. But then for all of the different things you were juggling, that, that spring 2020 was maybe
2: that was the beginning of the rough time and i would say we're just now over the peak of the rough time i feel like we've done a lot of work as a team that we can now we can look back and be really proud of i don't think it was really fun in yeah. the in the the moment you know having to so originally our intent was to actually explore rates of participation in ceremony with substance use behavior. And we couldn't do that because ceremonies weren't being held because of COVID. And so then we had to adapt and go back and we looked at, you know, in research, you know, your work always has to be grounded in theory. So we had to look at, okay, if we can't measure the actual behavior, what can we measure? And so we had to completely reframe our research around COVID. Like COVID literally dictated how our lives went for the last two years of this project. Yeah. So a
1: lot of people have that story, but nobody I know has been more on the front lines of that story than you. I mean, you know, that, that, you know, you've been, and then, and then just recently pivoted to a totally different role. Let's say a little bit about more about that. Uh, that's a, uh, big change too.
2: Yeah. So then a year ago, it's, it's actually, uh, next week, it'll be exactly one year, moved into the role of health director and health officer for the city county health department. So then not only am I trying to lead an Indian health organization through a pandemic, but I'm leading a countywide health department. You know, Ellen Leahy, who had been there for many, many years, really Took the brunt um, of when COVID first came, handed over the reins, retired because you know we at at the time we really thought, oh, we're we're over this hump. Mm. That was before Delta. Delta. That was before Omicron. That was before we knew that wow, this this virus was gonna keep spiking and returning. Not going anywhere. And so, you know, I've had to then work through two really big spikes as the health officer and, and health director for the city county health department while trying to get research done in time for, you know, Julie graduated. She graduated in uh, winter of 2021. And then, you know, I'm graduating tomorrow in spring of 2022. Yeah. and Now, if-
1: listeners may not hear this for a few months, but tomorrow's graduation. Yes. And I'll have the great pleasure of calling your name and your station title as you walk across the stage. That's a big moment.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. COVID was rough, but I just wasn't willing to let Julie or I compromise our goals or not graduate just because COVID.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And good for you. And and thank you on behalf of Missoula County for the service. I mean, it's it's really been an incredible stalwart team that's led us through this. And I think we've had a lot of, to be proud of in Missoula County and, and at UM in terms of how we've handled a pretty tough situation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what I've really enjoyed is getting to bring the perspective in the world of Indian health to mainstream public health, because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Indian health is public health. It's it's a subset of public health, but all of the things that public health does, we also have to do, but we have to translate them for a community that, you know, experiences very high rates of trauma that you know is not seeing themselves in the messaging that's coming from federal agencies, state agencies, county agencies. So we have to find a way to still preserve and protect their health. Do it with fewer resources and with greater challenges. And yeah,
1: with more of a, a message filter that you have to yeah exactly. work through. Yeah. Well, what's next for you, Julie?
0: I <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to continue working for Kaufman and Associates for now. Uh, the work that, that the company does is just it's really amazing and I'm you know so grateful to have the opportunity to be able to work with so many different tribes communities on very different projects. And, it you know, each day I'm, I'm meeting someone new, I'm learning something new, and not just about, you know, tribes from Montana, but, you know, across the country. So uh, it's just every day is a learning experience. And so I really appreciate that. That's,
1: that's the best job ever, isn't it?
0: It is, it is, yeah.
1: One where you can feel both like you're learning and that you're making a contribution.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I, I do know that I'm going to hit the, the PhD road eventually, hopefully in the next couple of years. So that's going to be down the road.
1: Would that also be in public health, do you think?
0: Yes definitely
1: stay stay with the you've got a mentor got a few mentors in the pipeline that you can follow in that great journey
0: yep exactly I mean you kind of saw Deshane do it all (laughs) so I definitely know it's doable
1: made it look easy huh
0: yeah he did actually (laughs) so (laughs) I'm gonna you know follow his lead um, his you know his, his example and you know try to do the same for myself
1: well for the listeners it ain't easy Right? It's, it's hard work, but you both are great examples of, of why the resilience matters, why it matters to buckle down and do the work. And that's one of the things we really like to elevate on this podcast is resilience and, and kind of demystifying the imposter syndrome. You know, all of us feel it, feel it. You know, even those of us who have, you know, got our PhDs 20 years ago, we still remember how hard it was to go into our first class. You know, you everyone feels like an imposter, right? And uh, so it's good to model how important it is to overcome those barriers and just keep plugging along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Every time I, you know, do like a mini accomplishment, I've been able to – you know, since my undergrad, you know, I always have like a five-year goal setting kind of thing that I do. And, you know, each time I, I hit a milestone, I always try to reflect. And then also as much as I can when I talk to to younger people or even just siblings to really encourage them to do the same, because I did feel like I couldn't do most of the things that I ended up doing at first. It took a lot to, to get over the hurdles and, you know, a lot of self-doubt, but I just knew I wanted to try. And that was all that it took was just trying and having someone help me. So mentorship was so important. And for each of my accomplishments, there's always been someone who encouraged me or at least talked me through, you know, uh, situations. And so that was just so important. Um, And the university provided that. So it was really great.
1: 100%. Thank you so much for saying that, because I actually think that's one of the, again, key message for... The graduate school, and it doesn't matter what community you come from, but you have to see a trajectory. You have to see that you have a next step, you have a path ahead. And um, it's so important to have graduate student mentor models uh, for people that can, you know, someone else in your community can look at and say, Deshane did it, Julie did it. And that gives them a pathway forward. That lets them see there's a place for them to go. So thank you so much for that. And we really like to highlight the diverse paths people take to graduate education. And Jashane, you've got a great story for showing how doors can open up at different times for pursuing higher education. So tell us your Montana story.
2: I was born here in Missoula, and I was accepted and enrolled as a freshman in 1994, and I graduated with my bachelor's in sociology in 2015. So if you do the math, 21 years. And there was a lot of lived experience in that 21 years where I went and had a a 20-plus year career in Indian health. And I moved, uh, I was in California for many years. I worked for six years with the tribes down there. Um, and then 10 years on urban Indian health and decided that I, I wanted to get my master's in healthcare administration, but I didn't have my bachelor's. And so that's why I came back and finished my bachelor's. It It's funny. I was just home for the holidays in 2013 and stopped by the university just for fun. And said, you know, I I, I was a student here. Um, I'm sure it's been more than ten years. I'm sure you don't have my records. If I if I wanted to re-enroll, like what would that take? And the lady said, well, if you were a student, you are a student. Like that's you're still a student. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like this was 1994. I said, this is at that point, you know, almost 20 years ago. And she's like, they went down to the basement. No, no, no. And she said, Well, what's your name? And she typed it into the computer. She's like, You're right here. You can register for classes. And I was like, Are you kidding me? So I I went, you know, right away and and met with an advisor, um, Nathan Dimitrovich, who is amazing and awesome. Shout out, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Nathan and to Emily Ferguson, who I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And Nathan and Emily literally said, we are going to get you to graduate, and they did. And so I got my bachelor's so that I could go do my master's in healthcare administration.
1: But I, in the meantime, you had all this momentum around your work. So exactly. you must have known now you have a goal, now yeah. you have a, like a, a target.
2: Yeah, my job was to be a better healthcare administrator within Indian Health. Yeah. I just happened to choose a healthcare administration program that was an MS. So it was a research program. So I had to do research as part of my, my master's. And that's when I got the research bug. And then I was like, you know what? What has always frustrated me, as a healthcare administrator, if a patient comes in with a substance use problem, I can have them see my doctor. I can have them see one of my counselors. And insurance, the federal payers, they'll all reimburse me for that. The minute I want that same patient to see a traditional practitioner, nothing. money's off, they're like, nope. And I knew, I knew that... This work was effective. I knew that it worked. And I just needed to get the data behind it. And that was really the impetus for this PhD dissertation work, which then we got the funding, we're able to bring on Julie, Jeff Peterson. So there was a four person team, really digging in and getting the data that we needed.
0: Deshane's background is is absolutely fascinating. And it just, I mean, just generally made me excited when I learned that he was going to, you know, in his current role, that he was taking that on because he just has a very fresh perspective. And I like a reality based perspective on what people are dealing with. And so I just knew he'd be in good, you know, he's been a good leader. He is a good leader. So it's just really exciting that he has this role and it's been really incredible to work with him. So just going to plug that here, Deshane. That's
2: great. Now I have to give her the 50 bucks I promised her. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us on Confluence. It's been lovely to talk to you both.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's very cool.
2: (laughs) Great to be here.
1: If you like what you've heard, you've got Kate Lloyd to thank. She's a student in our MFA program in Media Arts. Her deft ear and keen editing touch Created the sonic landscape through which you're floating. We'd like to thank UM's College of Arts and Media for providing studio space and talent to support this production. Confluence is brought to you by the Graduate School of the University of Montana. Innovation, imagination, intellect to serve the state, the region, and the world. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google by searching Confluence University of Montana. Or click a link at the Confluence website, www.umt.edu/grad. On the Telling Our Story tab, you'll find podcasts, videos, and other media that help us share with the world the groundbreaking research and creativity happening at the University of Montana. Enjoy the float. say it. it.
0: from see
2: Pride you. and Prejudice.